Anna Lokotkova is a former recruiter turned career and branding advisor. She helps people understand how to market themselves, their skill sets, and their unique experiences to succeed in their job search and careers. She currently operates CV Labs, which helps job seekers get noticed and get the job they've been dreaming of. In today's show, she talks about personal branding and marketing, how to show potential employers your value, how to navigate the modern job search, and ways to make your resume stand out. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, everyone, we are back on the Ramped Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, someone we have admired for some time. It is Anna Lokotkova. Anna, welcome to the show. Hi, Danny. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited for this conversation today. Yes, 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 we are too. You are somebody that has been on our radar for quite some time, specifically because of all of the excellent content you have been putting out for job seekers around the world. You have such a big following and you speak honestly, authentically, directly to the job seeker. So I wanted to reach out and just have a conversation with you about some of the trends that you're seeing, some of the insights, and really just pick your brain on all things the job search. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it and happy to dive right in. Wonderful, wonderful. Before we jump in to those meaty discussion topics, I do want to get to know you a little bit better. I know we had a conversation ahead of the show, but for our audience, who is Anna Lokotkova? So I'm a career advisor, and for a lot of people, those two words don't mean a lot. And usually people assume that I simply work to help people understand what they want to do in life. But truly, I help people understand how to market themselves, their skill set and their unique experience. And I truly believe that everyone has so much to offer in terms of their professionalism, their skills and their background. And it's just a matter of gaining that perspective and that skill that is important for you to show up in this world, in the professional world, as well as personal, and understand how you're going to communicate your value to other people. And obviously, one of the main big passions that I have is LinkedIn. And I've used it myself as the main tool for my own professional development and building my business and building my brand. So now I help other people do the same. And that's great. And you kind of nailed it, right? This is what we saw when we went out and found we're very honored that you joined us. But I'm curious to know before we jump into that, how did you get into it? It seems like career advisor, like you said, not everybody knows what it means, but how do you become a career advisor? How did this become your passion? That's actually a great question because my path into career coaching was not conventional at all. That was never my dream. Uh, to be honest, maybe 10 years ago, I didn't even know that that profession existed. <laughs> so I used to spend some time on the recruiting side of the table. And when I was selecting candidates and interviewing them and calling them up, every single time I would catch myself thinking, oh my God, if only I could get into your head and just let you know how you're underselling yourself right now <laughs> or like how you could change the the narrative completely to convince me that you are the right person that I should be interested in as a recruiter or as a representative of a company and so at some point I realized okay maybe I actually do have some knowledge and I can help a few people and I just started very naturally and very low-key helping some friends and family and friends of friends just with some advice just sharing my perspective and my recommendations checking out their resumes and stuff 
stuff. And eventually they started getting results. And that happened when here in Canada, we had like quite an oil crisis. And so a lot of people were out of jobs and there was this panic happening on the job market. So, so many people were looking for work at the time and they were completely lost around what to do, how to navigate the situation. And so they just started telling more people about my advice and how it helped them. And at some point I realized, oh, <laughs> there are actually so many people who are seeing positive results. And I didn't even feel like I did any work. I just told them what I know. I just genuinely shared my stuff with them. And that kind of prompted me to explore this as a direction for my development and for growth and for like gaining knowledge. And it kind of just spiraled from there because when I started looking into it and learning more about it and diving into kind of the ins and outs and all the things that I still didn't know at that time, I realized that it's actually a very valuable and important thing to do. And I kind of loved it. So here I am. Amazing. And I can certainly tell, and we'll include a lot of your links in the show notes as well for our audience, but our audience will definitely be able to tell you speak authentically, you speak directly to the person on the other side of your content. And I wanted to draw on one thing that you said in the intro, and it sounds like as you were coming up and understanding that this could be your passion, that aspect of selling yourself. So few people understand or maybe they do know, but they are unable to do it right away. Selling yourself in not only an interview, but in your career is a critical, critical skill to either learn or have. Why do you feel like it is so difficult for folks to sell themselves, especially when this is the key to so much success in your career, not just during the interview, but well into the actual job and the role? That's actually a great question. And I think there are kind of three different angles to it. One of them has to do with the mindset around the concept. So for a lot of people, because we're in our jobs every single day, we're doing things and a lot of those things seem so normal, mundane and natural. Like, this is just my job. What do you mean? This is what I do every single day. So for the person doing the work, it doesn't feel like a big deal because that's how they see it. They see it as this is my daily routine. This is my daily job. But often we forget that something that is so normal and mundane and obvious to us actually isn't obvious to other people. To them, maybe to one person, doing a huge task in Excel doesn't feel huge at all because that's their job. But for another person, even opening up Excel and looking at data is already like a whole miracle. But that's a very radical example. But still, that kind of shows us how people have different perspectives. And sometimes we need to recognize that, hey, I'm actually not seeing myself with another person's eyes. And that's okay. Like, that's normal. But... At some point, I just need to recognize that. The second angle kind of comes from the tools and instruments that people could have, but they don't. And a lot of people that I've worked with, for example, they didn't have to actively job search in quite some time. So let's say you're someone who kind of fell into your career naturally, or maybe you got recommended for a job and then it kind of just went on from there and you got promoted and then you stayed with this company and then somebody recommended you again. So there was really never a truly cold, proactive I need a job kind of situation in your life. And all of a sudden, 
in the recent years, a lot of people like that find themselves in these types of situations where recommendations are great, but they're not there yet, or maybe they're not helping as they used to. And the market is different and things are changing so much more rapidly in terms of which skills are in demand and which jobs are dying or appearing constantly. So there's so much change around that. And unfortunately, it's not obvious where do you get those tools and instruments that you need to navigate this situation. And sort of the third angle that I always like to recognize as well has to do with actually taking action. So you might have the right mindset, you might even have the right tools that are effective and truly contribute to your job search. But if all you do is kind of digest all of that in your head without actually taking action, nothing happens. And so for a lot of people, even after they take the time to educate themselves on their strategy and come up with a plan and all that, they're just scared to take action, not because they're not capable, because they are. It's just that it's brand new territory. And when something is brand new and uncertain and out of our control, we get scared. So it's normal. All of those three things are normal. It's not a natural skill to be able to sell yourself. Like that's not something that we would naturally want to do on a daily basis. And yet we do live in a world where we have to do it. We are responsible for our journey and we build our story and our career every single day. And if you don't know how to sell yourself, truly nobody else will. 100% right. I would love to hear your perspective on it. But I think it's really important that this type of skill is taught as early as possible in your life, not just your career. Like if we were to redo junior high or high school, or even some parts of college again, I would assume today's world, especially that sales, and I don't mean it in the branded, like what you see in Hollywood, smooth talking, Wolf of Wall Street. That's not what I mean at all. I just yeah. mean the simple, the basics on how you present yourself or present a topic to a group of people that potentially need a little bit of convincing. And I don't use that word in a negative way either, convincing. I don't mean you're supposed to convince somebody of something. You should just be able to communicate effectively so that they think differently or higher about a topic. So I'm curious to know your perspective on where the skills gap is. And I know it's difficult for people to sell themselves, but where do you feel like that could be taught? And I know you do a lot of this, so I'm excited to hear your answer on it. I 100% agree with you, Danny. Like my dream, honestly, is that we would be taught this in high school or at least like for people who also go to like to the university and get their bachelor's or something or get a college degree. I wish all of those institutions, whatever they are and wherever they are, would actually teach people this skill. And also, I have to say that from my own personal perspective, nobody truly taught me to present information effectively. That is something that I had to completely work on myself and learn myself and understand that I even needed. I wish that not only that came as part of my educational background, but also people would help me understand that there's one thing when I'm presenting information about a certain topic. And if I'm an expert at that topic, then I don't even sometimes feel like I'm presenting. I feel like I'm just sharing what I know. But the whole other story happens when the subject matter is me. So I actually have to talk about what I've done or what I can do. And that's even worse because that adds even more pressure. It's like 
you can sell a certain product to another person, but now the product is yourself. And that makes it a whole lot more challenging to actually be able to sell that product effectively. So truly, I would be so, so happy to know that. And I know that some educational institutions, they do provide some career support and guidance and advice, but I find that most of it comes from like, oh, here are some things you need to think about for your five-year plan. And all of that stuff's great. Like you need to have a five-year plan. But how about your today plan? How about how you're going to actually talk to employers and let them know how you can add value today, right now, the point in your career journey is today. So I would love for that skill to appear in our lives as early as possible. And honestly, the earlier as kids, we could learn to present information and to understand what communication is about, how to even create that interaction. So it's not just a monologue. I can stand here and deliver a presentation for half hour and even if I'm the best presenter in the world, people would still fall asleep at some point just because 30 minutes is too much. But if you add some interaction and engagement and dialoguing, the story changes. So again, all of that, it takes time to develop those skills. And I feel like so many of us, we develop those skills way too late in our careers and in our lives in general. So I think the earlier you could invest in that skill, the better, because it comes into so many different areas of our lives. But obviously, job searching is a huge one for so many reasons. Sounds like we're in complete agreement on it. And it's something that's important and hope to be pushing into the world at a much sooner date for a lot of folks and specifically job seekers. I want to transition those a good transition point into the job search. The job search has changed significantly in my time. I got the job, I guess the formal job search for the first time in 2008, 2009, kind of the heat of the global financial crisis. It was a crazy time to be looking for jobs, really, really difficult. And now is another one of those difficult times where folks are struggling to kind of break through the noise, to understand what to do, how to do it. There's been a lot of the branding of this new search as Job Search 2.0. What does that look like? I'm curious to know if you have a perspective on what this time is and Job Search 2.0 or whatever you want to call it. What is it? What are we going through right now? And then I will definitely have some follow-ups on how to attack it and how to be strategic about it. Sure. I kind of love the whole job search 2.0 thing. <laughs> From my experience working with job seekers, I feel like now we're at a point where things are a lot more volatile and uncertain than what would be comfortable with normally. Not that things were ever 100% certain, but definitely we're kind of approaching a whole new level of uncertain. And for a lot of people, that is very, very uncomfortable and just very new. You don't quite understand what to do with that. And a lot of the sort of more old-fashioned strategies that people are used to, even 10 years ago, sending out dozens of resumes online would have worked. And your resume wouldn't need to be impeccable. It wouldn't have been garbage, but it could have been like, okay, resume that would still land you some conversations and you would feel like you're moving forward, like you're progressing in your job search. So at least you're not faced with that constant silence. Whereas today, sending out a resume online, you might have the absolute best resume ever and still have zero callbacks for interviews, depending on the, the industry and what is happening and things like that. So there are so many other factors that come to play here. And unfortunately, people are still relying on those older strategies, assuming that if that's how things were done 10 years ago, this is how they're going to work today. But they don't. And I feel like with the whole, obviously, technology is huge. And 
And so using it to your advantage helps a ton. But at the same time, a lot of people forget that behind all that technology, we still have humans who still make those human decisions. And those decisions are driven by not just objective factors as in, do you have five years of experience or do you have four years or six years or whatever? They're also driven by other things and building relationships with people and communicating effectively with people is more important than ever. And that is something that can give a person quite an edge in their job search. But again, if you don't do it proactively, if you don't take that first step and you simply rely on online applications all the time, yes, it might work. But I'd be surprised if your odds would be higher than 2 or 5%. I would be shocked if they were higher than that. Obviously above zero, so thank God for that. But I wouldn't bet on 5% odds to like change my career and double my annual income, for example. So obviously you need to diversify and you need to make sure that you're doing different things and also not assuming that if something worked for one person who shared this success story on LinkedIn or somewhere and they said, oh, this is the resume I used to get into Microsoft. And then thousands and thousands of people jump on it and they're like, oh yes, now this is the golden standard of resumes because it worked for this guy, Bob, who landed a job at Microsoft. What worked for one person, given their relationships, given their situation, given their experience, the niche and the industry they're in may not work for another person. And so it's important to recognize that and understand that you have to find your own mix. You have to find a mix that is going to get you the results and don't assume anything, just try it and gather some data from the real world. So if you're sending out resumes and you're actually getting interviews, great, like that's working for you for whatever reason. Maybe it's your resume is actually so effective and you are so good at what you do and you're so capable of portraying that on your resume. And the companies you're applying to have such a decent resume screening process that your resume does get noticed, then great. But for somebody else, that may literally give zero result. And that's okay. That's not terrible. That's not a tragedy. It's just a signal that you have to change how you do things how you look for that next job. Super cool. Really, really good advice. And I agree. It's like one thing, you see one thing works. We're in this age where you could just shoot it out online and apply it to everything without really thinking it through. It's not going to work for everybody, right? There's different strategies. Everything has to be kind of custom tailored to the individual simply because everybody has different experience, a different background, different interests, different desires about what's next for them and what's out there. So I have a follow-up question just on the structure of an interview process and the job application process. So we're still using resumes. Resumes have been around technically since the late 1400s. I'm curious to know your perspective on why they are still being used. So that's the first question. And then I will go into what are some of the things that folks can be doing to orient their resume towards success. But let's talk about the why. Why are we still using the resume? It's not a good indicator. Well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I feel strongly that it's not a good indicator of the human behind the piece of paper. What are your thoughts on it? I definitely agree with you that a resume would never be a good and complete picture of the individual behind the piece of paper. At the same time, consider the speed of like how quickly things happen and how quickly recruiters or hiring managers need to make decisions. And they need to make so many of those decisions every single day. And for anyone who is listening who has ever 
hired even a single person, they would agree that finding the right person that would actually match your team, your culture, your needs and objectives is such a tough task. In the context of job search, everybody always talks about how hard it is for the job seeker. And it is hard. I'm not denying that. But nobody or I feel like not enough people talk about how hard it is for the employer as well. And so I think we're still using resumes because we need a quick first impression. We still need that to understand whether we need to take the next step. Luckily, now I feel like there are other ads on. So you know, even a few years ago, resume was like the main go-to and nothing else mattered pretty much for you to land a phone call. But these days you have LinkedIn, you have your online visibility, you have recruiters hanging out on social media and kind of looking through even comments under different posts to see if there are people sharing interesting perspectives and then reaching out to those people and starting conversations with them and exploring whether those people are actually a good fit for the company. It doesn't happen on a massive scale scale where I could say, oh, I know of these like hundreds of these stories happening every single day. Maybe they are happening and I just don't know about all of them. But I do know that they are happening. And so I feel like now you have those tools at your disposal that can complement your resume. But for now, resumes are not going anywhere. And whether we like it or not, we still need that piece of paper to give that first impression. It's just important to recognize on both sides. So from the job seeker side that this is not a complete picture and you still need to make sure that you have you create those touch points with employers outside of just the resume applications and sending your resume type of process but also on the side of companies and people who are hiring and making those decisions to recognize that hey you might see the most brilliant piece of paper and you would be super excited but the person behind it would be nothing like who you want to be part of your team and so when everybody is just relying so much on just the resume they're missing out on the actual pool of talent of people who might be a much better fit for the company, but they simply didn't quite understand how to build a resume that would stand out as much or be as effective. But it's a constant game on both sides. Like the whole concept of resume is not ideal. For now, at least, I don't see a much better alternative on a massive scale. So in certain niches, absolutely. But if we're talking about most industries, truly no better alternative at this point other than LinkedIn, which already has become the number one go-to place even before we start talking about resumes. Yes, 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 yes. Good thoughts. The resume is that, you know, icebreaker or the billboard for you. It doesn't really humanize you, but it is probably the best that we have today outside of LinkedIn, which is why you need to use those in combo today. And I'm sure you have a perspective on it. I do want to get your guidance on one or two things that job seekers miss most often when they are coming up with that interview packet and about ready to submit their job application to whatever company they're super interested in. What are those two things or three things, whatever it is that people just are like, they're missing most times. I would say that the majority are missing a clear target because intuitively you kind of want to have your options open, especially if you're targeting more than one type of role or even maybe more than one industry. And so intuitively you're thinking, oh, like I need to be as open as possible just to show employers that, hey, I'm versatile. Look at me. I can do X. I can do Y. I can do Z. And it feels like that's the right thing to do. Unfortunately, when you're on the other side of the table, it actually has the opposite effect. 
So when somebody is showing themselves as I can juggle 100 different things, the impression that that creates, again, by no means am I saying that this is an objective impression. It's subjective, but it is what it is. The impression that it creates is that person isn't good at anything in particular. So basically like good at nothing kind of vibe. And you don't want to be that person because we know that you're not that. You are good at a lot of different things. But you got to understand that your resume doesn't need to be an autobiography of all the different things you've done since kindergarten. It needs to be a snapshot of the most relevant information to this particular organization and this particular job. So to give you an example, if you're applying for a sales position, but your resume talks about your 15 years in accounting, that's not the most relevant information. That information is still important because the employer might still want to know, hey, what did you do in the last 10 years? But that won't be the information that would tell, that would tell them that you are a great salesperson. So relevance and targeting. And a lot of the times job seekers only look at it from their perspective, which again is understandable and totally normal. But the minute you start thinking like an employer and thinking, hey, would I actually call this person up? Would I actually think that they are the right fit for what I need? Then everything changes. And I see that with my clients all the time. It's the minute like they ask me a question and instead of just giving them the answer, I tell them, hey, let's imagine that I'm you and you are this recruiter. And here's what I'm telling you. Here's what I'm showing. So I'm basically just replicating their strategy to them. And I'm asking them like, honestly, how would you react? And they're like, oh, I get it. So that's kind of that aha moment when you're like, how did I miss this? How did I not see this? But again, because you were looking at it from your angle. So going back to your question, having a clear target in mind and not being afraid to get rid of the least relevant information to give space to the more relevant information. And if that information is not straightforward, so maybe you don't have the 10 years exactly what they're asking, but you have some transferable skills and transferable pieces of your background that still speak to this particular job that you're currently interested in. So focus and emphasize those things and don't be afraid to get rid of the stuff that actually does not position you for that particular role. And even that exercise alone will already clear up the whole situation with vague resumes, generic resumes, resumes that look like a copy-pasted version of one another. They look like that precisely because everybody's saying, oh, I'm a great team player. I'm a great collaborator. Cross-functional collaboration skills. Everybody's using that stuff. So be specific. And instead of like loading your resume with those buzzwords, load it with specific results that add context. If you did have cross-functional collaboration how? What was it about? Which project were you working on? Who did you collaborate with? How did you collaborate with them? And most importantly, what outcome did it lead to? So the minute you switch there and focus on that, guaranteed your resume is going to stand out and will be 10 times more effective than before. And it's such strong advice there. The reason that I love this is because it kind of draws upon what we were talking about in the beginning of the conversation too with the sales avenue. Your audience is the recruiter. That recruiter or that team of talent acquisition folks or the company that you're applying to, they care about a certain set of things based on the role that is listed. So 
your example even going further, right? If you are an accountant and you want to apply to a sales role, that's totally cool. You can make a switch in your career, no problem. That's great. However, leave the accounting specific stuff out and replace it with the sales aspects that you did in that role. Like, did you make presentations as an accountant and present to a big group? Were you ever client facing as an accountant? Did you meet with people directly? Did you have to convince them or negotiate at any point in time, right? Those are the things that you should include and scrap the specific debit and credit stuff that should be on an accountant specific resume. So I really, really like that advice. It's so tactical and you really framed it up nicely for our audience. I feel like I could talk to you, Anna, for a long time. There's so much knowledge that you have to share. I obviously recommend to our audience to check out Anna all of her socials on YouTube, etc. I'm going to ask our final question, even though it pains me to do so, but we are running out of time. It's the same question we've asked all our guests on all now four seasons of the Ramp podcast. If you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice as you were coming up in your career, what would that piece of advice be? That is a really good question. I would probably say to myself, don't be afraid to be visible on as many levels as you can. If it means interacting with people offline and gaining that exposure and actually showing what you can do instead of telling what you can do, do that. If it means starting to share some content online to actually scale that perspective and to get access to people who are outside of your city, outside of your location, could be anywhere doing anything, then do that. And the sooner you could get started, the better. Because I do believe that I personally, I could have started earlier and I would have had a big head start by now. But as many other people do, I waited and I watched and I thought and I overthought and I did so much of that back and forth. Should have just opened it up and given it a try. And so that would be the advice that I would give myself. And I would love for anyone who is listening, who is maybe doubting themselves at this point or thinking, I don't know what to do next. Just get back to what you can offer other people and look for ways to share that. Just share what you know with others and focus on adding value before focusing on, I need a job. I need this job. I want this company or that company. What can you offer? What do you know best? Can you talk about it to another human being? Just do that. And that's great. Hits really hard as I just put out a Friday feelings video on LinkedIn. Filming myself is something that has been a new thing that we've been focusing on is being more present online. So that advice hits really hard. And I agree with you. I'm curious now, like what the world would be like if everybody didn't overthink of their passions and joys and values that they can bring to other people and, and just put it out instead of angsting over it. But that's for, yeah. for another another time, <laughs> another discussion. Before I let you go, obviously want to give you an opportunity to share where folks can find you. So Anna, where can folks find you? LinkedIn. That's my number one. That's where I spend most of my time, all the time I have left, basically. I also have a YouTube channel and I do have quite a few videos on different job search related topics. So feel free to check them out, comment, ask me questions, subscribe if you like it. I'm also on TikTok and I'm actually loving it. So you can <laughs> find me on there as well. The short video is just... I'm crushing hard <laughs> on the short video format. Any of those social media platforms, feel free to connect, reach out, and I'll be happy to get in touch. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yes, definitely check Anna out all over socials. 
The YouTube shorts are exceptional. You just had some great news. I hope I'm not spoiling it for everybody, but some great news to share. He recently became a Canadian citizen too, which is super cool. So I love that you blend kind of the personal with the professional on there. But yes, thank you, Anna. This has been such a great conversation packed with guidance, with insights, with recommendations. Check Anna out wherever you can find her on social. Thanks so much for joining on the Ramp Podcast. Thank you, Danny. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you today, and I hope we can do it again sometime. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.